It wasn't long ago that I was uh, looking over different mission statements uh, from different places and uh, different companies. It's interesting, uh, when you look at mission statements of companies, uh, uh, the things that come out about this particular company. Uh, one of the largest companies uh, in the U.S. happens to be Coca-Cola Company, uh, based in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and, and I was uh, looking over at the mission statement of the Coca-Cola Company, and, and I wrote it down just so that I could share it with you this morning, because I want you to feel refreshed. Now here it is, the mission statement of Coca-Cola, to refresh the world in body, mind, and spirit. Wow. All that from a glass of Coke. To inspire moments of optimism through our brands and our actions, to create value and make a difference everywhere we engage. Now, I'm just wondering that if Coca-Cola can have a, a mission statement that is a global mission to refresh people in body, mind, and spirit, to inspire and to engage and to make a difference everywhere they are, uh, that perhaps there is something for the church from Scripture, through Christ, where we can have a global mission statement that says, hey, uh, we're going to touch people in body, mind, and spirit. Uh, we're going to inspire, uh, we're, and we're going to engage and, and act anywhere that we happen to be. And, and it seems like, actually, uh, that Jesus does have a global mission statement, uh, that he has a global mission and a global purpose, and it surrounds people and his abundance um, available for life, for eternal life. And in fact, uh, as Jesus has a conversation with a teacher uh, in his own day, uh, we come to find that, that Jesus, in fact, does have a global mission. And it surrounds his people. And as, as Jesus begins to talk to this very curious person, uh, we find the availability and the abundance of God's love uh, that is ab available, abundant, and without favoritism to everybody. But Jesus, as God's Son, came to deliver a global mission. And so this morning, we're going to look at this global mission of the abundance of God's love and of His uh, life that He offers eternal. And we're going to look at it with two little big words. They're just two Two words, two letters long. And this morning, I, we're going to look at the it of God. The, excuse me, we're going to look at the so of God and the it of Christ. The so of God and the it of Christ. One is, is really uh, this piece of measure, and the other is, uh, is a statement about reality. We're going to look at the so of God and the it of Christ and recognize this morning that God has a global mission for his church. Join me in John chapter 3, 
this morning. Join me in John chapter 3. If you're following along in the pew Bibles in front of you, it's going to be page 741. 741. John chapter 3. God's love is abundant, it's eternal, it's abounding, and it's without bias, it's without favoritism. Uh, Recognize that uh, there is this text here, and Nicodemus has come to Jesus. Uh, Notice what he says to him, uh, beginning in verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. He's talking about the cross. That everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Jesus has a global mission statement. He's got a global mission in mind. And it really does surround this drive that God has to love His people and love them abundantly and love them without bias. In fact, it's going to be God's love that, uh, that drives him uh, to, to a mission toward the cross. When it's talking about Jesus, the Son of Man, being lifted up, it's talking about nothing other than the cross. And then he says, for God so loved the world. So what's the nature of this love? Well, we, we know uh, that, that God is love. Scripture tells us that. I mean, if you can't take a wet away from water, and you can't take cold away from ice, and you can't take away uh, heat uh, from a fire, uh, then you can't take away love from God. I mean, God is love, so it's part of his character. It's who he is. You, you can no more take away love uh, from God as part of who He is uh, than you can take wet away from water or heat away from fire. I mean, God is love. And it's His abundance of love. And it's His ability to be global in His perspective of His love that, that we focus in on this morning. I mean, think about it. How many of you have been watching any of the Olympic Games? Anybody? Some of you probably watch the opening ceremonies and all the different flags and all of the different countries and all of the different people and all, all different shapes and sizes and colors and nationalities and languages and tribes. And God loves all of them. God loves every single one, regardless of where they've come from or what language they speak uh, or, or what their age is or what their, uh, what their political standings are. Uh, God's looking at the opening ceremonies with you and me saying, I love all people, tribes, tongues, and nations, every single one. Because it's part of God's character. I, I love them. I mean, God even loves the atheist, doesn't he? The person who says, I don't even believe that he exists, doesn't change God's love for them. 
God, God loves the one who's the legalist that wants to just chart, put God on a chart and say, all right, God, this is where you belong. And God loves that person. God loves the Muslim who, who minimizes him to nothing more than a teacher, and he, he still loves them. Put yourself in any category that you'd like. God still loves you. Now, God doesn't love us just because we do something right or because we do something wrong. I mean, sometimes we get into this idea that somehow uh, we have to be good in order for God to love us. Or because we've done something bad, uh, God is going to love us then too. But it's not because we've done something good or something bad that God loves us. Uh, We have to just recognize that God is love. This is part of who he is. It's his character. And so we can't take it away. So what we see in this global mission from the Lord, from the mouth of Jesus, is God loves. It's it's who he is, and we can't take it away from him. Now, he says, he uses this, this little big word, so, Maybe you've learned this verse for years. You you've have, it, have it memorized in uh, ten different translations. Uh, but in all of them, this little word seems to appear. For God so loved. Uh, the construction there is just to overemphasize the fact that God loves the world. So, he so loved the world. This little big word, so, it's... It's a word that just gives us a measurement, isn't it? He so loves the world with extra emphasis. How much did he love? So much. When my children were little, um, we would sit down and we would have them come sit on our laps. Have you ever had a, a toddler, a small person on your lap, and they just want you to play with their arms? And so we would sit them in our laps, and, and uh, we would begin to play with their arms, you know, and they would let their arms go, uh, go limp, and, you know, we'd play patty cake and all of these wonderful games. But every now and again, uh, we would say their name, and we would, we would play with them, and we'd say, you know, if it were my son Simon, we'd say, how big is Simon? And we'd say, so big, Right? And we, we would pull his arms out so big, and, and, and we, would, we would do this when we were a family, and they would sit with us. How big are you? So big. And I just begin to think of this verse and this little big word uh, that tells us uh, the measurement of God's love. How much does God love us? So much. I mean, there, there's an old phrase that probably appears on lots and lots of uh, bookmarks that maybe you stick in your Bible or a book that you've had. And someone once asked, well, how much uh, does God love us? And, and someone responded and said, well, he loves us so this much, right? That he, would, that he would stretch out his arms and die on a cross. So how much does God love us? He loves us. So much. And so we have this little big word just as a measurement to say, God loves you this much. Now, 
On one side of the coin, we have God's amazing, incredible, uh, uh, abundant, eternal love because that's who God is. On one hand, we have this. Now, on the other hand, on the other hand, we have as part of who God is, his character, his love is his justice. On one hand, we have God's amazing, great, abundant love. Uh, but on the other side of that coin is God's justice. We can't have an eternal, abounding, loving, uh, wonderful God who loves us when we do good and bad and not also have a God of justice. Because if God loves everything and loves all, uh, then, well, what do we do with evil, right? What do we do with pain? What do we do with suffering? What do we do when people hurt us? We want justice, don't we? And so perhaps the most loving thing that God does is he, he is also just. So God is love, and he is also just. So God is not a cream puff in the sky, right? Uh, God is not just a God that's going to wink at our sin and say, uh, you know, I know that you've rebelled against me. I know that you've rejected me. I'm just going to wink this time at that sin, at that rebellion. I'm going to give you an exception, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sneak you into heaven. I'm going to allow you. It's, no problem. No, no, no. Because God is love, he is also fully just. His love moves him to be just. Can you imagine that someone comes along and purposefully drives their vehicle into your home? Uh, let's say they have a, a giant vehicle and they just decide that they're going to drive their full-size vehicle right through your front door at full speed, full speed ahead. Just because they saw it in a movie once and they thought it might be fun and they saw your house beside the road and thought that your house would be the good one to try it. Are you going to want justice? No. Would it be loving of God to say of that person's particular sin, would it be okay for God just to go, you know, you've been pretty good most of the time. And, uh, I, I, you know, I really appreciate the fact that you've come to church and, um, you know, you've, you've given to the church. So I'm, I'm going to give you a pass. No problem. Uh, no, your debt's fully paid. Just, just move on. Would you love it if God did that on your behalf? Of course not. God is love and he is also just. So what do we do with the tension between God's love and his justice? Because, because what does God love? John says, for God so loved the world. The world. When John talks about the world, uh, there's, there's absolutely no way that anybody gets gets it wrong when John talks about the world. Because every time John mentions the world, uh, it's the world that we live in. It's the world of rejection. It's the world of pain. It's the world of bickering. It's the world of, of bad politics. That's us. 
And so maybe before we're really ready to engage and accept God's abundant love, we have to come to grips with God's justice. So where is it that God's love and God's justice meet? For God so loved the world. And what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. That whoever would believe will not perish but have eternal life. The great thing about God's love and his justice is that he knew that he had to obey both his love and his justice. He had to hold these two things in tension. And and because uh, we live in the world, because we make up the world, we can't earn it and we don't deserve it and we can't pay our way in and God's not going to wink at our sin. He's not going to write us an exception slip. There's no note from heaven that says, it's okay, just give him a pass. God's love and his justice meet at the cross. He gave his one and only son so that his love and his justice, his love would drive Jesus to the cross. His love would keep him hanging there. And God would meet his justice in Christ. And so it was like this. In other places in Scripture, we find that those in heaven are those who uh, have robes of white. Uh, They're given, uh, it seems, these special clothes. Uh, We're given this image of those who, who have the opportunity to wear a great special clothes. Uh, those who have been purified. And it seems at the cross that what happens is, is Jesus says, I'll switch clothes with you. I'll tell you what, you give me your prison garb. You give me your jumpsuit. And I will give you my robe of purity. I will give you my robe of righteousness. And I will, I will take the justice from God. I will take what was supposed to be yours and I will give you what is mine. And so Jesus says these words on the cross in John chapter 19. Again, it's another little word. In John chapter 19, as love and justice meet at the cross, as he's about to die, Jesus says these words. When he had received the drink, Jesus says, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. The so of God and the it of Christ. God so loved the world. This abundant measure, beyond all measures, without favoritism, We know about God's justice and his love and justice meet at the cross. And Jesus says, it is finished. That two-letter word, it. And we're left wondering, okay, well, exactly what is it, Jesus? So loved the world that he gave his son. Well, what is it? 
It was the mission that God sent Jesus to do in the first place. Jesus said, I didn't come to do my will, but to do the Father's will. I didn't come here for me. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. To be a sacrifice for many. It, it is Jesus' mission. He says, my mission is finished. And he took ultimate agony and he brought it to victory. The so of God and the it of Christ. There's an old song. It's called Amazing Love. I've been humming it for the last several days. I've just been mulling it around in my mind and letting the words kind of wash over my soul. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit lives within me. Because you died and rose again. The so of God and the it of Christ. I hope these little two big words are walking into your living room, are walking into your bedroom, are walking into your family room, are walking into your office, uh, wherever it is that they need to reside, I, I pray that these two little big words, will, you will allow their impact to be felt in you, that God has this global mission, and you are a part of it. So this morning, will you know that God does love you? Will you know that his justice has been served through Jesus on the cross? And then, will you live like it matters? Those of you who are Christians, those of you who have said, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he rose again on the third day. And I have, I have walked through this opportunity to, to come to know a relationship with Christ. That I have believed and repented and confessed. That I have been immersed into the waters of baptism. That I believe that, that Christ's Spirit lives in me. Will you now make yourself a part of that mission? Will you engage others with the soul of God's mission and the it? Of Christ. Because his mission is now our mission. And you now are a part of the global mission. And maybe this morning, this whole conversation about God's love and the cross, it, it seems odd. But you're curious, much like Nicodemus was when he came to see Jesus. And you're wondering about how big the so of God is and how complete the it of Christ is. And if that's you, then can I just encourage you that you would believe, that you would say, I, I trust that Jesus is the only way. 
that you would confess your sins, that you would repent and turn from a life away from God and toward him, that you would be immersed into the waters of baptism and receive the Holy Spirit, and that you would now become part of the global mission of the so of God and the it of Christ. Little big words. I pray they'll come visit you in your living room. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the measure of that love. Lord, I thank you that you were just and you allowed that justice to be met and delivered in Christ. And I pray for all of us that we will make ourselves part of your global mission. That we will live with the so and the it. Lord, we love your mission. May we deliver that mission to others. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.